Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everyone. Today, I am so appreciative to introduce to you the co-founders of Project Matriarchs, Pilar, McDonald, and Lola McAllister. Best friends since third grade, Pilar and Lola are starting their second year at Brown University and Stanford University, respectively. Pilar plans to study environmental studies and Lola hopes to major in human biology and minor in Spanish and human rights. Today's conversation talks about their project Matriarchs, their pledge to care, why in general caregiving is so important for everybody and also we speak about flexible work, how Gen Z is looking at work and work-life balance in general, and much more. I am really excited to share our conversation with you. Welcome to the show, Lola and Pilar. Thank you, Karen. We are just so incredibly excited to be here today. Yes, thank you so much. We're really excited to be joining you. Thank you very, very much for coming onto the show. Now, a lot of people are listening to us from all over the world. Could you please tell them where are you calling in from? And is there a particular site or food that they should be visiting or eating when they come to your area? Yeah, so I'm calling in from San Francisco right now, which is where I grew up and has been stationed over this, this past you know, these past 18 months with my family. Um, and I live in a neighborhood called the Richmond district where we have two Burmese restaurants, basically just around the block um, from our street. Truly some of the best food in San Francisco and just always a wonderful experience. So I would highly recommend that to anyone that's able to join. Yes, and then I am also calling in from San Francisco, California. Pilar and I both grew up here. Um, I live across the city from Pilar, but my Food recommendation would be a bakery called Arismendi. They actually have two locations now. It's like cooperatively owned and I've been going since I was a little kid. My family gets pizza from them every Friday or we did when we were younger for a family pizza movie night. Um, but I would specifically recommend their oat scone. Um, and then a site I would recommend, my favorite thing in all of San Francisco is our botanical garden in Golden Gate Park. It's like incredibly beautiful. So yeah. Thank you very much for sharing. I've been to San Francisco before and that, I mean, these sounds like perfect things to try out food-wise and, and to visit. Now, I am super excited to talk with you about your work and you both are the co-founders of the project Matriarchs. So for people who have, may not have heard about this, could you please share what this is all about? Yeah, definitely. So Lola and I um, went to K through eight together and really have been um, best friends ever since third grade. Um, and so this summer or about a year ago now, 
we were really just kind of putting our heads together in terms of what this next year was going to look like for us. We both had just finished our first year of college, the the latter half of which was online. Um, and just kind of, yeah, really thinking through the way in which our identities as white, female, um, cisgendered kind of people with economic and educational privilege were really going to do when there was just so much um just so much happening around the world and really wanting to to use that to the best of our abilities to support people. Um, so one issue that was just very clearly making a lot of headlines as long as well as being very present in a lot of conversations we were having with different people, but was this issue of kind of the caretaking and caregiving responsibilities that were hyper present during the pandemic and how that was just really not kind of survivable adding in this online schooling and online working and being home all the time. Um, and so that really just led us to have a lot of conversations with working mothers in particular, many of whom were, were taking on a disproportionate burden of this caretaking work. Um, kind of talk to them, see how we could, me and Lola specifically, but also our relationship with our greater generation college students and just kind of the flexibility that our identities and schedules presented. Um, so we initially were set out to kind of basically alleviate an hour or so of parents' time a week and a very basic level. This kind of expanded up into around 20 hours for some parents each week. Um, but we piloted a program where we are matching college students with working parents to provide virtual enrichment, mentorship, tutoring, academic support, and kind of exploration for their kids. And so this was very varied in terms of what it actually looked like, whether it was homework help or just kind of having some engagement with someone that wasn't a parent or a sibling because of how rare that was um, a year ago. Um, and so, yeah, to date, we've matched around 300 families and have had over 600 college students fill out our form and interview with us. Um, and so that has just been one of the, the most exciting parts about it, but to really see this like college student engagement. And we do offer our college students $15 an hour for these tutoring services. And so, of course, there's a financial and like a, a um, flexibility of the job component to it. But we also just had numerous conversations with college students who were genuinely kind of coming at this application from the perspective that they had their own caregiving experiences, whether it be them caregiving for someone or someone else caregiving for them and just the way in which our society really revolves around and relies upon caregiving. Um, and so really just how kind of intention, that ideal, and then the fact that caregivers across the country and across the world were just not able to be supported during the pandemic and how that was really just kind of tearing any care infrastructure or systems that did exist at all. Um, and of course, the United States is, is stand out in how much it lacks around this. And so, yeah, that Lola, you can kind of jump in then if you want um, around Pledge to Care, but that was a huge first step, kind of what got us to where we are now. Thank you so much for sharing. And yes, please, Lola, could you talk about the pledge to care? Yes, absolutely. So as Pilar said, we um, kind of started and scaled that direct service um, aspect of Project Matriarchs. And since then, we have been incredibly, like, it's been incredibly gratifying to see that the impact that, like, an additional, like, 
hour of free time in a day can have for a caregiver. Um, and so the outcomes from that have been really like beyond what we could have even anticipated in the beginning. Um, and it really motivated us even more to kind of try to contribute to more systemic solutions. Because obviously what we're offering is really meaningful in the, in the short term, but it doesn't contribute to any kind of longer term lasting change at a systemic level. It's really just responding to symptoms of the way our country really systemically undervalues care. And so um, this past spring, we were really thinking about how we could uniquely contribute to the kind of national momentum we're witnessing right now around instituting more progressive care policy, both at a you know public policy level and within companies. And we feel like just like our service, like the unique thing we have to offer is kind of our, our connection to our generation. Um, and the, the kind of fight for progressive care policy is, has been very long. There are like generations before us who have engaged in this work, but it's never really been truly intergenerational. Um, and so the kind of vision for the advocacy branch that we founded this past summer is to add our generation's organizing power and energy to the fight for care in the United States. And so um, the way we decided to start approaching that is with something where we've called Pledge to Care. Um, Pledge to Care is aimed to be a tool that our generation can use to express consensus regarding the policies that we want our future employees to adopt um, revolving, like revolving around caregiving. And so we decided to start with advocacy in the private sector because we think that as the generation of talent companies are trying to attract and retain at the moment, if we act in consensus, we do have collective bargaining power to leverage. Um, and so we decided to kind of do research about the most progressive policies that exist and try to reflect our generation's values um, we know we are. There's a lot of research to show that our generation is the most diverse of recent generations, the most kind of socially active and progressive of recent generations. Um, and so we tried to reflect those values in our kind of statement of values regarding corporate caregiving policy. And so Pledge to Care itself kind of outlines what our team identified as the most progressive standards um, that companies can adopt when it comes to care-related policies. Um, and so anybody can sign on to Pledge to Care. The idea is that we can express gener generational consensus by getting a large number of signatories. However, we want anyone and everyone to sign and adults or folks who aren't Gen Zers can sign on to just indicate support for our movement and work and to express to Gen Z that you feel like our voices, our energy is, is needed in this movement. I just um, find it amazing that you had come up with the idea how much power you as a generation have towards um, you know, demanding or asking for a different approach to caregiving from a private um, company perspective. And so I'm curious, how are you um, raising awareness for other students across campuses regarding uh, the pledge to care? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think that is a huge question kind of impending upon our next few weeks and what that really looks like as we launch our campus organizing program. Um, Lola and I and a lot of our interns over this past summer haven't been on campus in a year and a half. And so I think there's just a lot of energy generally from college students, as I'm sure kind of other people throughout the world, but to hopefully have this kind of in-person interaction um, with 
fellow people learning excited to be there kind of of our generation that just hasn't been tangible for a while. Um, so with that, we are really hoping to launch our organizing program, which will in the beginning consist of very old school kind of campus organizing in the way of setting up a table on the green during the club fair and kind of really just getting these signatures as a way to show um, companies that that our generation cares and just the fact that like by signing it may not feel like you're doing anything super binding or super kind of committing or there's not a ton of accountability around that but our main intention um, in someone signing is to get them kind of involved in these conversations about what caregiving looks like in the future for themselves and for kind of their peers around them. Um, and so I, I go to Brown University and Lola goes to Stanford University. And I think one thing we've thought about a lot is how our privilege within those campuses and kind of the surrounding community is really a very small subset of our generation, let alone kind of people who will go on to be caregivers. And so, yeah, campus organizing is going to be a huge first step for us to just garner that momentum and get the signatures that we've kind of set our numerical goals around and really being able to go to companies and show that this portion of our generation cares and this many people care about caregiving and want a future that really reflects that. Um, but kind of a more lasting goal of engaging our generation is really focusing on this piece that like so much of what we want to do as a generation, whether it be like from other organizations like Sunrise or um, just kind of other organizations that are focused on mobilizing our generation around issues, which has been from mine and Lola's perspective, just amazing to watch. And so showing that caregiving is really an issue that we need to value and kind of recreate the systems around in order to be able to focus our generational issue on these other impending issues as well, such as climate change or gun control or things like that. Um, and so, yeah, we would love this to just be something that kind of we can show companies from the corporate perspective and then eventually the public policy perspective as well but that this is something that we can like we we have seen companies do it we do have the ability to create a shift in policies around this which will then create a societal shift in culture around this which will kind of then allow us to value caregivers the fact that you know you and I both have caregivers and our caregivers are in our lives to be able to value that to the extent that we can then focus our energy um, on all these other issues that are important to our generation. And so that will really kind of revolve in our next step of our organizing process, but expanding beyond the college campus structure and really being able to reach the rest of our generation to engage in these conversations before it's too late. Um, and so, you know, we do have a, a, a time clock on it in a certain extent, just in that we will soon be entering the phase in which a lot of our peers are caregivers, parents specifically, and then of course, like caring for elderly parents and, and relatives and whatnot. Um, and so wanting to really shift just the way that we, we talk about caregiving kind of before we go into their caregiving responsibilities. And, you know, now for somebody who is listening from outside of the US or for people on the campuses that might be from, you know, like international students, um, is it also okay for them to sign on or are you currently specifically focusing on the US? Although we are focusing on the US, the kind of the purpose of Pledge to Care is just to kind of express momentum, energy, and, and conviction around this. And because, you know, the 
the U.S. is uniquely horrible at supporting working caregivers. We are, really are focused on American corporations and um, American policy. However, I think we definitely would encourage and love for for international folks to sign on just to kind of express um, express solidarity. We are tracking like the um, you know where our signatories are from in addition to what year they were born in. Um, so we can kind of distinguish like from what generation are signatories um, and are they, you know, adding to the consensus or are they, you know, expressing support? That sounds really great. So for anybody who is listening to us from all over the world, please join the Pledge to Care. I think it is such an important movement. And I'm, you know, I'm just so appreciative that you guys have um, started it. And um, now one other aspect of caregiving that is very dear to my heart is the need for flexible work. And often people talk about flexible work as far as, you know, starting at different times during the day or right now the big debate, whether it's a hybrid work or, you know, um, remote work. But really what I am looking at or focusing a lot on is more like um, from a part-time perspective, whether that is job sharing, whether that is a four-day work week or five-hour um, daily um, work days. And so, like, recently I did that um, analysis on LinkedIn. And so the big tech companies, while some of them have remote um, careers available, if you filter out remote and then look for part-time, that was literally out of 95,000 available job positions, not a single one that was both a remote work that could be done on a part-time basis. And so for anybody, as you have said, who is in a caregiving um, position and might, because of the current pandemic situation, end up doing homeschooling again, I mean, one of the reasons they are leaving and opting out is because it is often physically impossible to do all of it at once. And so I'm just trying to figure out, have you in all of your conversations had some ideas or thoughts of people talking about flexible work and how that can be also raised in conjunction with caregiving? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we had a research and pledge drafting team this summer in our internship program of five different people. And a huge part of what they were doing was just researching all of the different kind of solutions and criticisms and things that were working in terms of corporate policy and things that weren't. And so, as you mentioned, kind of flexible care and really giving that opportunity to parents to be able to integrate caregiving into their jobs and then also be able to integrate jobs into caregiving. And I think that the fact that we have a lot of research um, over the past few years showing that caregiving really can be an asset to one's um, employee performance and connecting to that. Um, and so being able to pull on the aspect that there's different policies to be able to pull in there. Um, and so I think that Lola and I view our perspective on this is not necessarily prescribing a specific solution to these um, companies, but really showing that this is something we value. Um, in terms of conversations we've had with other people, I think that actually a lot of the conversations we've had with the working parents we've worked with through our tutoring service, as well as, um, yeah, just kind of 
in a in a more bouncing ideas and, and thought conversations have really probably been what's most impactful in this way in that we have a lot of female identifying working moms who have been working with us over the past year and they either weren't able to continue working their job because of their caretaking responsibilities um, or were not able or were let go of or kind of all the different ways in which women particularly have been forced out of the workforce this past year. And so I think that that's a huge thing in that we've had a lot of people reaching out to us of like, do you have any, you know, my kids are able to go back in school in this part, sorry, um, back to school in person in a few weeks and how exciting that is on so many different levels. But at the same time, now I don't have anyone to care for them if I'm going to go looking for a job or if I'm going to be able to kind of resume the things that we viewed as um, career success. And so really just, I think the pandemic, as as we have seen and a lot of people have talked about, but is really an opportunity to acknowledge the fact that the status quo can and needs to be changed. And so I think flexible work is a huge thing that needs to be reintegrated and just kind of accepted and worked around. Because again, like in order for caregiving and careers to coexist, we need to make them work for one another. And so some things need to kind of be prioritized for the caregivers in our lives due to the fact that everyone's a caregiver, regardless of if that identity is seen or made visible or talked about often, but people are caregiving for different people in their lives throughout their lives. And so I think working parents obviously is a huge thing we can see, especially because of the structure of that in the school day and kind of the way that that works into a work week. Um, but people are caregiving for friends, family members, spouses themselves. And so how how being able to take time for those responsibilities really allows people to be more present, more productive at work. Um, and the way that that is a necessary change to be able to, to benefit society in that way. You are absolutely right. And I think it's, you know, even what you just said the last bit, like, you know, sort of caregiving of themselves. I feel that's something that people, you know, prior to the pandemic have really not looked at either like you know like the mental health aspect how important that is and yeah so I, I'm really appreciative that you are looking at it you know sort of afresh from your generation's perspective on what doesn't make sense what could we do differently and so one of the things when I was going through your um, pledge to care I was really appreciative of was that you are also talking that more male identifying um, professionals need to get involved in care work. And um, especially, you know, we need to have more role models on a more senior level to ensure that it isn't that automatic somebody who is a caregiver is somebody who is automatically somebody female identifying. Yeah. Lola, um, like if you could maybe talk about was that also research you have done or people um, came up to you to talk about that aspect because I think that's huge. Yeah, but it's an incredibly important piece of this work. Um, and so we we are very focused on kind of like how can we really de deliberately strategize around male engagement. Um, because it, it, although we have a number of male identifying folks working with us, the vast majority of our interns and our tutors are female identifying. Um, but then within like the corporate context, what we've heard from so many women, particularly, particularly female caregivers, is that it can be really, really powerful to just 
start hearing their their managers, people who are higher up in the company, CEOs talking about their own caregiving responsibilities or just being transparent about like, I need to leave this meeting early because I need to pick my kid up from school. So like that, those kinds of small actions can really meaningful, meaningfully kind of erode the workplace stigma around even like acknowledging um, people's caregiving responsibilities. Um, and so that's, that's one thing we've heard about a lot. And then secondly, it's also like leaders in, in companies need to be like aware of their workforce's caregiving status and the ways in which their caregiving status impacts their like capacity to be present at work, to be effective and efficient and feel supported at work. Um, but yet so many companies don't yet collect that information. So as, as a starting point, people in, in positions of power, a lot of whom, as we know, are, are male, can, can ask that their companies start to track caregiving status because we, this is a kind of a key thing that we are partnered with um, an organization called Tend Lab around. It's the fact that like you can't solve a problem that you can't see. And so we need to start collecting this data to illuminate the ways in which caregiving status, of course, like in conjunction, in conjunction with data regarding demographics like race and gender impact like a person's capacity to succeed at a company. And so that's one way in which we think like male identifying folks can be really effective allies. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there are even like the kind of subtle pieces about how do you kind of slowly contribute to a culture that is open about caregiving and values caregiving. And, and one way to start doing so is to just talk about your own caregiving responsibilities. Recently, I've seen more and more on LinkedIn um, male-identifying professionals and also like the CEO of LinkedIn himself basically had a little video that said, hi, folks, I'm off to picking up my kids on the first day of school. And that sets such a tone because, as you said, it's parenting out loudly. It is emphasizing the importance to be in somebody's um, life as a caregiver of any gender. So, yeah. So, and, and then the, the other aspect what you were just talking about, collecting more data. Um, I'm a big fan of returnships, basically for people who have not heard of this, that is basically like an internship for professionals returning back to the paid workforce after a long period of absence, um, often due to um, unpaid care work. And so, Often people don't know, like when they're applying originally to a um, company, whether anybody above a certain um, leadership level might have been somebody who was originally, you know, who is a returner. And in my mind, that would make a huge difference if somewhere that was um, indicated, because I feel it would allow somebody maybe from a younger generation to see these are people who are taking it seriously, who see the transferable skills from unpaid care work by hiring somebody to come back and having that person, you know, um, um, have a leadership position. So, so yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of having a lot of data and it's, yeah, there isn't, there are so many um, data that just don't exist yet, so. Yeah, and I think just like in a very baseline way, Amy Henderson um, is is 
one of our advisors and has been very kind of helpful in conversing over these conversations around pledge to care. And I think what 10 Lab is really fighting for is just the fact that in order to create these policies around caregiving, we need to first be able to see kind of the way in which caregiving is impacting our employees from the company standpoint. And the fact that, you know, we can have these anecdotal experiences that are really compelling for companies, but the kind of fear that companies may have in, in reluctant, in being reluctant to take on that investigation, I guess, or just kind of starting to track that data just because of the ways in which they then need to follow up and be accountable because of the ways that, um, our country and our companies are inadequately supporting caregivers. Um, and so this is something that I think we're really hoping to change as a starting point as our generation goes into this, because of course these, these infrastructural changes do take time. And so we want these, like for companies to see it from their perspective that this matters now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, now, as I've done the research about all your work, I came across the company Gender Fair. Could you tell our listeners what that company is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So Gender Fair is a really amazing company that essentially, I mean, everyone should definitely just take a look at their website for an, an in-depth kind of understanding of what they do. But from our understanding, they're trying to empower consumers to know, to understand, like to support brands that align with their values when it comes to caregiving. So they essentially kind of assess um, companies' progressiveness when it comes to caregiving and gender equity policies. So they kind of have several metrics that they look for within each company that they're assessing um, to determine whether it's gender fair or not. Um, and so they have an app that helps consumers understand like what brands meet those standards and what don't so that we can be empowered to support brands to kind of, you know, make change with our consumption decisions. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for sharing. Now, people who are listening, now, what would you say? So like an HR leader or a business leader, if they want to, you know, sign up to your pledge, but then go even beyond that already, what would you recommend could be like, you know, initial changes? Yeah, so a huge kind of next step that we are working on beyond signing the pledge is we really ask that, especially Gen Z identifying folks, but also people from all generations, promote this in their networks, of course, you know, sharing on social media and being adamant about that, um, but also really promoting it in a way of what we are reflecting on to employers. So a huge thing for our generation, especially those people a few years older from us, is going into the job search process and kind of getting involved in what first step in one's career may look like and just the impact that a resume has on that. Um, and so, of course, you know, sending resumes all over the place. And really, we are asking people to add that they signed the pledge to care onto that. Um, and so that's a, we want to kind of create that visibility both on people's resumes and then if they have a LinkedIn account as well. So that is one ask that we ask of people who sign. And then beyond that, we also are trying to create further awareness and kind of further show how important this is to people across our generation by asking that people bring this up in their 
interviews or kind of in the job search and job getting process. And so whether that is just asking a question of kind of what do you do to support your caregiving employees or say I um, was a working parent, kind of what would my policies look like? And so, of course, I think something Lil and I have really thought about a lot is how our identities may make those conversations feel more comfortable or plausible. Um, but people kind of in more marginalized bodies or identities may not have the same safety within those conversations. And so that is something that we're really asking of people who feel that kind of the privilege in their other aspects of identity would allow that to be a safe conversation um, to kind of beat at the fact that these the motherhood penalty in the hiring process cannot really continue alongside that and how caregiving already kind of being seen as a detriment to one's possible performance um, doesn't continue to be looked at as such. And so, yeah, those are two ways to kind of continue to get involved and amplify our mission. And then beyond that, for any um, college students or high school students or anyone kind of on a campus of some sort looking to to kind of organize their student body. That is something that we're really working on currently. So we are going to be launching our campus organizing toolkit in a few weeks on kind of what that looks like to do everything from setting up that table on the green to kind of lobbying within your school and really having these conversations with people who are making decisions there. Um, and so definitely kind of continue to follow along on that aspect and get involved in that. That sounds awesome. So I will be sure to put in the show notes, all the information on your website, the links so that people who would like to know more and get more involved can do so. We've talked about many different aspects. I just want to make sure, is there anything that we did not touch today upon that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, I think one thing that comes to mind is that, like, as Pilar was was alluding to earlier, like, really our first, the first and foremost thing we need to do is is gain momentum and energy behind Pledge to Care, because then we can we can show that to companies to say this is like, look, here's proof that our generation and generations that have come before us really care about this and want you to respond to this growing energy. And so we need to build that energy first and foremost, but the kind of like next major phase from that is approaching companies with that consensus to ask that they progress in those ways. Um, and so we are kind of trying to think through those next steps in terms of like, what does it look like to do so in an effective way? Um, but we are, we are kind of just growing the network of companies who are interested in engaging on this and might want to in the long run, eventually express some commitment to pledge to care. Um, and so, yeah, just to put that out there, that that's also an opportunity as in the long run, we, we will be really hoping to engage with companies directly. Thank you so much. That sounds great. Once you have like a large organization, maybe a tech company in particular, that it tries to attract a lot of, of the Gen C um, professionals, that would be such a, you know, trailblazing um, movement. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, how can people reach you on social media? Yeah. So we are um, on Instagram as our primary form of social media at Project Matriarchs. We're on Twitter at Proj Matriarchs. Um, 
and LinkedIn at Project Matriarchs and would love to engage, hear from you um, and appreciate any amplification kind of as we've talked about, but really growing our movement to generate that consensus and show the importance um, of kind of coming together as the country, as a generation to, to show support for the policies outlined in our pledge to care it would be wonderful. Thank you so much. And I so appreciate Lola and Pila that you were on the show today and that you shared with our listeners all over the world what you are doing to become more of, to make the country and organizations more caregiving focused to really learn and understand what an important part it is for not just, you know, for every generation. So thank you very much for all the effort you have put into that. Well, thank you. It was such a joy. Oh, sorry, Lil. <laughs> thank was, you so much. No, no worries. Thank Yes, the, a classic, a classic Zoom kerfuffle. Um, well, thank you, Karen. It was so lovely to be with you today. Um, and so appreciate all of your work in this area as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.